Amen. Well, it's good to be home. Good to be home. We have one more week uh, in August, uh, one more Sunday, and a few days to take. Looking forward to that, but we just kind of stuck around and, and uh, did some work around the house. Had a couple days down in the States there for relaxing and shopping, and so, uh, but it's good to be home. Good to be with the family of God. We always, always enjoy getting away and, and uh, visiting some other churches. <clears throat> had some great fellowship with other churches, enjoyed their ministry, stole their good ideas, and uh, back home to make you think that we're really clever. Um, in a moment, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that uh, really speaks to a, an experience that God allowed the Apostle Paul to go through uh, because of what God was wanting to release in Paul, and, uh, new things that God was wanting to do in Paul's life. Uh, Paul mentioned earlier in this chapter that, uh, that God had been doing some pretty amazing things uh, in his life, through his life, had shown him some pretty amazing things, and now God was going to be doing something else in him. Um, What I want to share this morning, I suppose, comes from more of a subjective point of view, and uh, if you're visiting this morning, I wouldn't want you to leave with the impression that we don't teach the Bible much here, Uh, because if you're around uh, long, I think you know that we do, but but really, uh, although I'm going to be referring to Scripture, I want to talk about something that really is born out of what has been uh, my own personal experience this past while, and the reason I share it is because I often find that if I'm experiencing something, then you are too. And, uh, and the Lord has a way of kind of moving us together. Second Corinthians chapter 12, begin to read it, verse 7. Uh, Paul says this. He says, To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations I was having, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Now, Paul is saying because of some of the good things that God was showing him and doing through him, that he says, a thorn was given to me. In other words, he was saying that along with these incredible revelations and experiences, that there was also what you might call a gift that God had. And I call it a gift because Paul says God had given it to me. And and the reason God had given it to Paul, Paul says, basically was to, to help me keep things in perspective. In all that I was experiencing, all that I was enjoying and seeing, God understands my humanness, my frailty. And he understands that I need to keep these things in perspective as well as to grow into new things. Verse 8 on. He says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Why? So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So it's for the sake of Christ, then, that I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Say it with me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Uh, I began my vacation actually two weeks ago. We had a a wonderful day at the park July 1st at Centennial Park, and I was minding my own business, and that night I ended up enjoying an all-inclusive stay at the Moncton City Hospital. Uh, what I thought at midnight was just a, a bad case of stomach pain. I couldn't recall of anything I'd eaten other than a couple hot dogs. That might have done it. But a long time had passed. And so from about midnight till 3 in the morning, um, I was out in the front room kind of suffering and trying to alleviate the pain. And I tried every possible position. And I was kind of half crying, half laughing, because every position made me feel like a pregnant woman. I was just, I was trying everything. I was bending over. I was laying on my back. I was sideways or whatever. 
And then at about 3 o'clock, 3.30, I realized that Vanessa didn't get a chance to enjoy this, so I went in the bedroom. And uh, actually, we have an air conditioning in the bedroom, so I thought it might be a bit more comfortable laying on the floor. And I guess I moaned and groaned too long, so she woke up. I didn't want her to. Right, guys? We like to suffer alone. <laughs> so uh, she woke up and uh, eventually convinced me to go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital and, and discovered that I was having a gallbladder attack. And uh, so after enduring about six hours of this excruciating pain, it finally began to subside, I think, after the third or fourth shot of morphine. Um, I don't know if you can buy that stuff. I asked for a six-pack when I went home, but they, they said, no, we don't provide that. Uh, so they gave me some pills, which I understand I can sell and probably pay for Alex's wedding next year. But uh, I haven't used them yet. They're very strong, but I haven't used them. And kind of curious just for fun, you know, see what it does. But uh, Vanessa says, no, you'll get addicted. Um, so I guess I can't use them if I have pain. But in any case, they're there if you need them, give me a call. But God is so good, uh, because while I was in the hospital through the night there, uh, there was a wonderful nurse attending to me, and she said through the course of the conversation, she said, I know what you feel like. I experienced the same thing about two years ago. I had a gallbladder attack two years ago. And, and something just peaked. I don't know if it was the Lord or what it was, but I just felt prompted to ask her, well, listen, as a woman, if you had a gallbladder attack and you have children, tell me. Is a gallbladder attack anything like labor pains? And she said, in my experience, it was just as bad. And I said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you. Because I didn't have an epidural. Okay? Now, Vanessa did have, didn't have morphine either, so we're, we're kind of even. So, I, so now I can say to my wife, honey, I understand. And she can't say, no, you don't, because she was there. And the nurse said it was the same. Now, mind you, I didn't, I didn't go into labor. That could be quite different, I understand. But in any case, it was wonderful. But uh, actually, the highlight of my, uh, of my stay at the hospital was in the wee hours of the morning when Vanessa finally decided to, to go home and leave me there alone to die. Um, <laughs> I had a chance to, uh, to, uh, to talk to the nurse a little bit about the Lord, and, and she allowed me to pray with her. And so it was uh, just a nice day, a wonderful experience. Because you know what, in, in my years of ministry, my prayer has always been, Lord, never allow me to lose sight of individuals. I don't want to just speak to crowds. I want to touch people for Jesus. I want, I want to have personal contact with individuals uh, through the course of the week. And so that was really a, a wonderful experience. But you know, when I started my vacation, I, I was, I think in fact, I should probably share with a couple of friends, I just felt unusually tired. I mean, most of us, we go on vacation, we're ready for vacation, it's a nice break or whatever, but this year, I just really felt incredibly tired. I, I, mean, I mean, tired, tired. You know, not, not just tired in your body, but you ever have that kind of tired that, that even rest doesn't, you know, doesn't change it? You can sleep all you want, it, it, it's, it's just kind of beyond that. You're, it's something that you just can't sleep off. But it was also a time in my spirit when I felt like things were kind of closing in on me. And I was wondering, Lord, what's wrong with me? I mean, you pray, and, and, and it just seems like, you know, you know the Lord hears you, but you just don't feel anything. Or you're reading the Scripture faithfully, but nothing seems to land. It just, it just kind of goes, anyone understand what I'm saying? It just kind of goes through you. You know it's the Word of God, and you know you need to be disciplined and continue to read the Word, but it just doesn't seem to land. And, and, and what I'm telling you this morning, I'm not telling you this because I'm discouraged. I'm not telling you this because I'm ready to throw in the towel. I'm not telling you this because I'm trying to elicit some kind of sympathy. You know, I'll come up later and say, Pastor, we're concerned for you. Or, we're praying for you because I know you don't. Um, I'm just kidding. I know you do. I know you do. But that's not the purpose. 
what I want us to understand this morning is there are times when you just feel numb. And that's really what I've called the message this morning, just numb. Because there's times that we can all feel that way. When I say feel numb, I'm not talking about something that I went through a couple of weeks ago and now I'm out and I'm all happy. I'm talking about something that I'm still going through right now. Something that I still feel in my spirit now. And, and, and if I am feeling this, then I'm sure that some of you are as well. And you're probably wondering what's happening to you or you wonder what you need to do. Or if you're not feeling it right now, you can relate to maybe in the past, or you maybe never really felt you came out of it, or, or maybe this is going to be for you for the future. But Paul says this, if you go, go back a few chapters in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 4, beginning at verse 7, he says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Now listen to what Paul says. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed. We don't understand what's going on, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. He's, he, means, he means in this life, here and now. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal bodies, here and now. This is what I want us to get. Paul says there is a death process that is always going on in the life of the person who truly wants to walk with Jesus, who truly wants to become like Christ, who truly wants to see the life of Christ and everything that the life of Christ represents, not just what I believe, but how I live, how I look at life, my perspective in life, how I see people, what my priorities are about through the course of the day. Any person who wants the life of Christ to be manifested in them, Paul is saying that there is a cycle that God has for them. He says twice, actually, in verse 10 and 11, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Another translation says, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies which to me gets more to the point of what he's saying. Paul's talking about a dying that takes place so that the life of Jesus can be released in me in a new way, in a new dimension, at a new level. And it's the result of certain death processes that happen in you on a somewhat regular basis. A dying process, a dryness process that will happen in your life in somewhat of a cyclical way. And then Paul tells us how this dying process actually happens. He says in verse 8 and 9, I paraphrase, he says it happens by being pressed on every side by troubles. You ever feel that way? Another way he says it can happen is by getting knocked down, getting blindsided. Or, or those times when you experience things that you don't understand. Paul says that we are perplexed. You ever have a season in your life or go through something or something happens and you're perplexed? Why, God? Why is this happening? Why are you allowing this to happen? Why am I feeling this way or why am I not feeling a particular way? You believe and you trust in the Lord, but you just don't feel very spiritual. You feel numb. 
I believe Paul wants us to understand that the purpose for everything he's going through is so that Jesus can bring him to a new place. When he says, we are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested, Paul's not talking about physical death. I mean, how many times do you read through that scripture and you just kind of automatically interpret it as Paul saying, well, we're dying for Christ. You know, disciples, apostles, believers, all through the Roman Empire, we're dying for Christ. Yes, that was happening, but that's not what Paul was saying here. He's not talking about you just physically dying because if you, if you die, then you're dead and done. You're with the Lord, but as far as any more work in your life in the present, it's not going to happen because you're absent from the body, present with the Lord. Make sense? So he's talking about this continual dying. He's talking about this frequent dying that takes place in the believer's life. But he says there's the purpose. And the purpose is because the Lord wants to bring you to a new place. He wants something to die so that something else might live. He wants something in your life to stop manifesting itself a certain way that there might come a new expression of the life and person of Jesus Christ. That you might grow from strength to strength. That you might grow from glory to glory. That you might grow from ever-increasing capacity to be more like Christ, as John the Baptist says, that He might be exalted, that you may decrease as He increases. That's His desire for all of us. And he says those cycles are put in place by the Lord as a gift that he gives us in order to accomplish that purpose. He's talking about those seasons when you feel beat up on, if you feel anything at all. And Paul says, I regarded that thorn as a gift from God to remind me of the weakness of my own self so that the life of Jesus can be released in me at a new dimension. Paul is saying all the wonderful things I've enjoyed from the Lord down through the years. I never want to be in a place where I can just live this life in my own strength. I never want to be in a place where all I've got left is stories. I never want to be in a place where Jesus is just somebody I can tell you about what He did in the past. I want there to be a fresh dynamic of the Holy Spirit in my life today. I want to go from level to level, from strength to strength, from growth to growth. And he says, I will gladly die a thousand times because every time I know there's a promise of a resurrection and a new dimension of the life of Jesus. He never grows old to me because I submit myself to him. I submit myself to that process. Without going through it, Paul says he never would have understood what he wrote in verse 4. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? To show that the surpassing power, it belongs to God, not us. It is Christ in you that's your hope of glory. Not just in heaven one day. It is Jesus Christ in you in His ever-increasing fullness that manifests His glory, His weight, His presence in your life. That your faith is not just something in the head. Your faith actually has weight to it. It has substance to it. It has consequence to it. You're not just a nice person at the office. You're not just a nice neighbor. You're not just somebody who tries to live by the golden rule. You are a person who says, Lord Jesus, your kingdom come. Your will be done in and through my life. Let your life be released through me every day. I don't want to be a casual Christian, as the song says. I don't want to live a lukewarm life. I want to light up the world with an everlasting light. I don't want to live a casual Christian life. And Paul says, that's my heart's desire as well. I don't want to just preach to the masses. I just don't want to you know, pray for or care about people in general. I want to touch individuals for Jesus. I want to touch people for the Lord. 
And for that to happen, Lord, you need to be real to me in ever-increasing ways. Regardless of the wonderful things I've experienced, I thank you for them as the song we sing. I thank you for those testimonies. But Lord, today's a new day. And I walk in the confidence of the faith of what you've done. But Lord, I recognize there's also new things that I don't understand yet. All I've seen, there's still things yet to see. All I've experienced, there's still more. All I've known in you, Lord, you are vast. There's so much more of you that you want to show me. I really believe when Paul wrote in chapter 12, verse 7, he said, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh. I don't think Paul was saying, listen, I was just on the verge of, of spiritual pride and God knocked me down a few notches. I don't think that's what Paul is saying. No, Paul is saying that lest we lose perspective on how the life of Jesus flows through us, ordinary people like you and me, how the life of Jesus grows in us and flows in us in ever-increasing measure, lest we lose perspective on how that happens and the fact that that is supposed to happen, God will take you through regular seasons of death and of dryness. You know, over these past couple of years, I've become increasingly convinced that people who are truly determined to live for Jesus, people who are determined to take God at His word, to live in the miraculous, to expect God to do the unusual, because they believe that God wants to be real in the midst of the people of our culture. God wants to show His glory in the midst of our generation. I've become convinced that people who honestly believe that they will have to go through continual cycles of dying so that new dimensions of Christ's life are released through them. Now, if a person has no interest in those things, you're probably not going to experience it a whole lot. Or you're going to live, as I think as, as Roosevelt once said many years ago, in that continuous twilight, that grayness, that knows neither victory nor defeat. We can choose to live there if we want. But if we want to be out of that, if we want to be experience what Paul is talking about here, then there's going to be these ongoing cycles that the Lord has for us. There will be times of spiritual attack where God allows uh, the enemy in his workings, whatever it may be, what is going on, he allows it to happen to shape something in you because he wants to minister something through you. Now, we could be wrong. None of us know the Apostle Paul and and others who were great in the kingdom in that day were, were maybe not mentioned, uh, all mentioned in the scriptures, so we don't know. But it just seems like the Apostle Paul was somebody who was probably a great man of faith. A man who knew the word, a man who obviously wrote most of the New Testament, a man who experienced incredible things as he mentioned earlier. Paul was a man of faith. He'd witnessed so much of God's power over and over again. And yet here is Paul. Please understand this. In all that Paul experienced, he says, three times I pleaded with God. And it wasn't just, God, if it's your will. No, no, three different times. I had knocked down Drago times with God. And I pleaded with God that you would take this thorn from me, this messenger of Satan, that it would leave me, and it didn't happen. And you know what I say when I read that Paul prayed three times and nothing happened? I say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Paul, for being honest. Thank you, Lord, that we can relate to that. Paul said that the Lord did speak to him, and he told him, he said, my grace is enough for you, for what you're going through. I won't let you suffer more than you can stand. I will keep you through this. I am bringing you somewhere through this. 
Hear me say, I see it all the time in the kingdom, and we can all be guilty of this, but I hear people time and again, they ask, they're going through something, they say, well, why can't God just change things? Why does God let this happen? Why can't he change it? But I really believe we're asking the wrong question. The question is not, can God change it? The question is not, can't God change it? The question is simply this, can you give yourself to a dying process? Can you submit yourself to the same process because you profess to believe in a man whose name was Jesus, who went through the same things, who learned obedience by the things that he suffered, who became the perfect son by the things that he endured, and that even after his death, when he submitted to the cross and to the tomb, and he had a resurrection, can you submit to a God who promises that same resurrection power to be available to you. And as we see witness in the life of Jesus, the same result is waiting you. There will come a resurrection. The question is not whether or not God can change my circumstances. The question is, do I know God enough to trust him and say, Lord, I'm your daughter, I'm your son, I submit to you in this process because I know you're working something in me. I know you're growing something in me. I know you're stripping something in me that there might come a new expression of your life, your reality, your love that I've not had before. I believe that's the real question because the only way that new expression of God can actually be released to you in me without it being corrupted by sin, corrupted by pride, is for us to allow ourselves to go through that next level of dryness. Or of dying. Does any of this make sense? Does it make sense? Don't tell me I lost you already. I've only been like 15 minutes. You're good? Because we have a choice as we follow the Lord. We have a choice as to whether or not we want to live a Christian lifestyle and essentially we've created our own mind or whether we truly want to be like Christ. Whether or not we truly want Jesus Christ to flow through us not just in good lives, which we ought to live automatically, but we also want the gifts of the Holy Spirit to flow through us. We also want a burden for the lost to flow through us. We want, we want spiritual antennae that are up and say, Lord, what are you doing today? What are you doing around me today? Who would you have me touch today? Lord, this is not just a crowd of people that I work with at the office. These are individual lives, Lord, that you might have a word for, that you might have an act for, some way to show love, your presence, your power for them. Lord, I'm available. I want to be Jesus where I am. It's not just about pursuing my goal. It's not just about getting to Friday and having the weekend off. It's walking through day after day after day saying, Lord, your kingdom come where I am. Lord, live your life through me. And you see, if that's going to happen, the Lord has to bring us through dying process. Why? Because we're so full of ourselves. We're so tainted by pride and sin and, and just selfish motivation. The Lord has to peel a lot of that stuff away so we can actually minister in the purity of his love. That people actually know there's care and compassion. That the Lord can actually flow through us in uncorrupted ways. That it doesn't get tainted. That Jesus really can express himself through us. We've got to decrease if he's going to increase. And Paul says this is the process by which it happens. One problem we have with this whole process, I find, is that if we have to die, then we want to die in our own terms, right? Oh, Lord, I want to be like you, and, you know, here's the conditions. 
And so we envision, when Jesus talks about picking up your cross and following me, we envision that in the sense of, well, okay, there's, there's areas that God wants to deal with in my life. Maybe there's some attitudes or a relationship that's not where it should be or my finances aren't in order, whatever. And so, Lord, I'm going to pick up the cross and I'm going, to, I'm going to let you deal with that area of my life. Now, don't get me wrong, that is part of picking up your cross. That's part of dying. There is dying in that. But there's another part of dying that I think we often miss. And that is the three days in the tomb where you don't feel anything. Nothing much is happening. And it's quiet and it's cold. You don't feel much. And in our case, we don't know how long it's going to last. If it's going to be three days, ten days, three months, we don't know. We just know how we feel or what we don't feel. And in those times, it can feel like when you're praying that your words just don't get beyond the tomb. They just kind of bounce back at you. You know, they're just kind of echoing, maybe kind of mocking you as you're in that tomb experience. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says that this is a cycle that happens to every Christian who wants to see new expressions of the Lord's presence in your life. You see, I really believe this morning that if you want Jesus to be real to you, if you want more than just a stale religion that doesn't enjoy much and it doesn't suffer much, then you have to, you have to go through times when it feels like nothing much is happening. You've got to go through those dry times. You see, I've found in my experience, we don't want to go through the three days of quiet. Some of us are spiritual enough that we'll pick up our cross, and we know the Lord is dealing with a particular thing, and we'll pick up our cross, and we'll, say, you know, we'll deal with that or think we have. We'll say, okay, Lord, it is finished. Now I'm getting down, getting off the cross. But we oftentimes short-circuit what it is that God wants to do. Because Jesus said it is finished, but he also said one more thing to God the Father. He said, Father, into your hands. Say it with me. I commit my spirit. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. And that's where you commit yourself to some quiet days of numbness, of cold in the grave. And friends, that committing of yourself to God is mandatory if you're ever going to experience a resurrection. If you're ever going to experience His life and power through you. If you're ever going to experience a new revelation of His ways, rather than just being content with how I've always understood Christianity to work, or faith to work, or church to work. If you're going to have a new impartation of His anointing, You've got to know those seasons where God brings you into a dark or quiet or secluded place. And you may not feel a whole lot, but it's a season of transition. And you can't short-circuit that. You can't cut it short by just hanging on to the very end and saying, okay, Lord, I'll die to this, but that's as far as I want to go. Kind of like David said, Lord, don't take your presence from me. I've been in ministry now for some 35 years, and I believe that one of the most basic failings of teaching is like word of faith. And I, I love people in those circles and I appreciate sincerity. But that it doesn't make room for people going through trials. It doesn't make room for people going through death on their way to a new level of experience in God. There always has to be this great profession of faith. There always has to be this great display of faith over the enemy. But friends, hear me. We're not called to cliches. 
We're not called just to be inspired by somebody else and quote them. In fact, oftentimes what happens in some of the great faith movements, and I believe there's much of God in those things, is that the founders walked through these periods. They walked through the cross. They spent times in the tomb. They did that. And they're teaching from their own experience. But you can't just grab somebody's secondhand revelation. You can't just grab somebody's cliches, somebody's words. Jesus' faith in Christ is not superstition. It's not about saying the right words. It's not about Christian jargon. That's not what it is. Jesus says, you want to follow me, you pick up your cross, you walk after me, you die to yourself, you spend time in that tomb, I'm with you, and I will raise you up again. But you cannot short-circuit God's process to bring a greater depth in your life, to bring more of Christ in you. If Christ is truly going to have His way in you, you must die. You must increasingly die in those areas He's showing you that there might come resurrection. And those times will include times of what feels maybe cold or numb or as I said, when nothing much seems to be going on. Jesus has given us power over the enemy. But there are times, like Paul says, when you're going to experience the assaults of hell. And you're going to experience that because God is preparing you to minister out of a new revelation of His glory working through you. You see, Paul says to get there, he says, I had to go through troubles. I had to go through times when I was knocked down. I had to go through perplexing times when I didn't understand what was going on. I had to go through times when I felt like I was in a tomb and you don't feel anything. But when you get in that situation, I'll tell you what you do. It's not profound. It's not complicated. There's two things you do. You keep praying and you keep feeding on the Word of God. That's what you do regardless of how you feel. And maybe you're here this morning and you're not necessarily going through what I've talked about particularly, but your faith has plateaued. It's kind of flatlined for a long, long time. And you've grown accustomed to a nominal faith. I want to encourage you, my friends, the way to kickstart that again, get into the Word of God. Spend time before the Lord, regardless of how you feel. You see, regardless of how I feel, I read the Word of God anyway. Because I understand that what I may think in my mind is not what's happening to my spirit. And so I keep feeding. Yes, the Word of God makes sense to the natural mind. Well, actually, it doesn't according to Romans, but I mean with our brain we can understand certain things. But it's your spirit that the Word of God is nourishment for. So it's not just about what you feel, it's how you are feeding yourself that gives you strength to sustain you through that time of what feels like a wilderness. But I've got to be honest with you. You don't mind if I'm honest to you. Just reach your hand toward Vanessa and pray comfort because she gets nervous when I say, I've got to be honest. I just wasn't feeling a whole lot like praying these last couple weeks. Like I said, I would pray. I'd kind of toss one up and, okay, Lord, you know, trying to be consistent, but I just wasn't feeling anything. Nothing was happening. I even stepped out and, you know, I was at the hospital. It was, it was a joy praying for that lady, but I didn't feel anything. I was just in that numb time. Still am. Wednesday night, actually, I was going to give Pastor Susan a call and say, can you take prayer meeting tonight? <laughs> and I love prayer meeting. I wasn't trying to get out of it, but just the thought crossed my mind for a moment. But I came. And we had a gay time of prayer, didn't we, Pastor Susan? She was even in my prayer circle. And I would pray to her. See, I, no, I'm just kidding. But even after Wednesday night, I just said, Lord, I thank you. And this sounds like a strange thing to say. But Lord, I thank you for making me pray. 
I thank you for forcing me to pray because I feel weak and I feel tired. But I commit myself to you because I know that in this time of numbness, when nothing seems to be happening, there's a resurrection coming. I thank you, Lord, for who you are. I thank you, Lord, that you don't change. You're good and you're kind. And I can put myself in the palm of your hand and trust you and say, Lord, regardless of what I feel, it doesn't change you. And I know that you're my father, and I know that you're working in my life. And there are things that I know the Lord is working and the Lord's preparing for what we're going to be moving into in the months to come. I know that. I want to tell you this morning that whatever you may be feeling or not feeling, the Lord has established a cycle in your life if you truly want to follow him, if you truly want to be like him. And if you will rest in the knowledge that he has not forsaken you, he will bring you to that new place. He'll bring you to that new level of experience in him, that new level of ministry, that new level of fruitfulness. Have you ever seen somebody, and, and maybe you were this way, I mean, it's happened to all of us, but somebody that was just really excited about the Lord at the moment, Maybe they heard a great teaching, went to a seminar, or maybe, you know, something good was happening in their life. They were really excited about the Lord, but then you bump into them like nine months later, and all the joy's gone. Or maybe they're not even serving the Lord anymore, not around anymore. You ever wonder why that happens? I believe most times because whatever they were experiencing, not that it wasn't true, but it just came too cheaply. It came without the cross. It came without dying. It might have been inspirational. They might have seen something. They might have even tried something, and God used them, whatever the case may be. But, but there was no dying in the process. There was no experience in the tomb where, where your faith is stretched and your character is shaped. Character that only comes when you unite with Jesus in his death. Character that only comes when you commit yourself to God, even when you don't feel anything. Because you know that even in the midst of, regardless of what you feel, he is working something far greater in you than you've yet to experience. And you have that confidence. Because you know him and you know, your, you know the Lord, you know his word, and also because you've probably gone through it before. And you understand it's the Lord's process. If you're feeling a little numb this morning, or maybe you're feeling like, you know, not a whole lot's happening in my walk with Christ. I just believe you need to thank the Lord that there's resurrection coming. Thank you, Lord. If there's disobedience, willful disobedience, sin, that's a different thing. The Scripture says your sin will separate you from God in the sense it creates that wall. It, it breaks that fellowship. But if you have sin, John says, confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. Then, then you do that. But if everything is okay, if you've been walking with the Lord, walking faithfully, it just feels like, Lord, just seems like things have stopped or whatever. Things are more difficult than they used to be. I want to encourage you to understand the Lord has you in the palm of his hand and the Lord is bringing you into something new. You know, I don't feel a lot of excitement right now and apparently you don't either. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. <laughs> but you know what? Deep down, I'm certain of these two things. Number one, Jesus is bringing me to a new level of his life happening through me. I know that. 
He will complete what he has begun. And the second thing I know, which excites me even more, is that if he is doing that in me, then he's also doing that in many of you. And what that means to me is that he not only has something for each of us individually, but he is bringing our church to some place where he's going to break us through to a whole new time of ministry and of resurrection power in him. I'm absolutely convinced of that. In fact, if you're not shy, how many can relate to what I'm saying this morning? Anybody? Either you've gone through the experience or you're in that place right now, whatever it may be. Yeah, you know why that is? Because when the Lord moves in the midst of his people, I believe his heart's desire is to move us together. And one of the things we have to really resist, I'm going to invite the musicians to come, but what we have to really resist in our culture, the spirit of our culture is this. Everything is for me. Everything is about me, you see? And that translates into our, in our walk with Christ as well if we're not careful. And we develop this Christianity where we're always looking for ministry or things that are happening. Why? Because I want to have, I want to experience, I want whatever the case may be. And even in the local church body, if we commit ourselves to the local church body, we can be kind of concerned with what's happening in my life, what God is doing for me or what's not happening, whatever the case may be. We need to be stretched outside of that, be aware of what God is doing in me, but we also need to understand that we are part of a body that are all joined together, each one having its place, having its function, having its ministry, because there are things that the Lord wants to bring this church into because of what he wants to do through this body in our city. What he wants to happen when people come into these doors in this church service where we gather together. You see, that we're not just spectators, not just concerned about what's happening for me, but saying, Lord, what would you do in me? How would you stretch me? What new revelation would you give me? What new expression of your life? What new dimension of spiritual reality in my life would you fashion? Would you shape? Would you perform because of my part in the body and what you want to do through us collectively? You see, gone are the days of just celebrity preachers. We're never going to touch the world that way. No, you can have a tent downtown if you want and have the greatest preacher in the world. You might draw 100 people, and most of them are church folk. That's not how it happens. You know how the kingdom of God advances the same way it did in the early church? It's people understanding that I must decrease, that Christ might increase. People understand that I want the glory of God to grow in me in ever-increasing measure, and for that to happen, I must be willing to submit myself to the same process Jesus modeled that I might die. In the knowledge that during that time in the tomb, where I might not feel a whole lot, it seems like things may be a plateaued, whatever, I know that God is working in me a far greater glory than I've already experienced. Regardless of what I've experienced, there's more. There's more in Jesus. There's more in his church. There's more for our community. Amen? If we will give ourselves to that process. Will you stand with me this morning? Can you receive this word this morning? I thought, Lord, they're going to think I'm depressed. We're all going to leave with our head down. <laughs> I'll still take an encouraging card, though, if you got one. I, I don't mind. I just believe that's life. That's life. But I'm so glad the Lord is so faithful. If I just commit myself with a simple prayer and say, Lord, I want your life to be shown through me. I want to be full of your life. Then, Lord, I can trust you in those dry times and dying times that you're completing something you've begun. You're bringing me somewhere. And Lord, I can't wait to see the new thing.
that you're developing in me, the new thing you're going to break out of me, or in my marriage, in my home, whatever it may be, in my workplace, the new thing you're going to do. I just say, Lord, thank you. And the devil comes to beat up on it. You just say, hey, man, have at it. Have at it. Because I know that everything you're trying to do, he's going to turn around for the good, and he's going to forge me and shape me and grow me more like him. And there's going to come a new expression of his presence and power in and through my life. Let's just bow our hearts for a moment as we do. I'm going to ask the ministry team to come. The altar is open. If you'd like to come and just spend a few moments with the Lord, if you're here this morning, you'd like someone to pray with you. It may be totally unrelated. You may have pain in your body. You may have a, a situation that you want someone to pray with you about. Then you feel free to come and just stand in front of them, and they'd love to pray with you, minister to you. But if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, but you've sensed his presence this morning, and you say, Pastor, I can relate to that dryness spiritually. I feel dry. I can sense the presence of God, but I can't connect. And it's because the Bible says your sin separates you from the Lord. Not because he hates you. He loves you. But he's asking you, would you surrender your sin to me? Would you surrender your heart to me? And if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. It's simply a matter of opening your heart and say, Jesus, forgive me for living life on my terms. Forgive me of my sin. I ask you to cleanse me. I want you to take over my life. I want to live for you and be full of your life. You can do it right where you are right now, but you can also come. We'd love to pray with you and just introduce you to Jesus Christ. So if you need, feel free. If you want to spend time around the altar, just want to stand with you for a few moments before you go, just to worship the Lord and just invite the Lord into your dryness. Invite the Lord into your tomb, wherever you may be, or maybe you've just been stale for a long time. And just say, Lord, I just don't want to be stale anymore. I just pray for your refreshing. I pray, oh Lord. Because friends, it's not about us being like each other. We're all different gifts, all different strengths, all different callings. It's about progress. It's just about knowing that I'm moving forward in God. He becomes increasingly real to me, and my life becomes increasingly fruitful every day that he gives me. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your precious word, for its truth. I thank you for your Holy Spirit who is our comforter. But we don't need comfort unless we're uncomfortable. So Lord, you make us uncomfortable, that the comforter may come and give us strength and bring us through that season into the new things you have for us. So I pray, Lord, now as we just stand in your presence and worship you, every heart is different, every need is different. I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be open and we invite you by your Holy Spirit to come, Lord Jesus, to come meet us where we are and continue to walk with us into new things, Lord, that we would know you in a new way today like we haven't before. In your precious name, Lord, and together in our hearts, Lord, to be the church collectively that you've gifted us and called us to be. In your precious name, hallelujah.